Ladies and gentlemen, Eric Carlson is a Pittsburgh Penguin. How does that one sound? Welcome to episode 19, I believe, of the Pens cast. Uh, let, me, let me double check that because it has been a week, a little over a week, two weeks almost since I've done a last uh, done my last Pens cast. I've been busy. It's summertime. There wasn't a lot to talk about until today. And I was planning on actually doing one tomorrow, but everything happened today, so let's do it while it's fresh. Eric Carlson has been traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's what we expected. It seemed like the inevitable thing after um, Carolina made their moves on defense. They signed Dmitry Orlov. They signed Tony D'Angelo, almost traded for him. Uh, and it just didn't seem like that that was going to be an option. And it seemed like Pittsburgh was the last team left in contention for Eric Carlson, the reigning Norris Trophy winner, the three-time Norris Trophy winner, um, the first defenseman in almost three decades to get 100 points in a season just last year. One of the best defensemen of a generation is a Pittsburgh Penguin. And I want to go through all three teams' perspectives on how this, on why it makes sense for the, uh, to do this trade for the team, what they gave up, what they got in return, the money exchanged, everything, and also what's next for the Penguins. Because I think this was obviously the big deal. This is the biggest deal that they've done since Kessel, but I'd argue that this deal is definitely bigger than Kessel. There's more money being exchanged, definitely more players being moved. There's a third team for crying out loud. So yes, this is probably the biggest trade that's happened since the turn of the century for the Penguins, um, but we haven't seen it yet on the ice, so maybe it won't have as big of an impact as the Kessel one or other ones before it did, but another big name, another legendary player, future Hall of Fame player, will put on the Penguin jersey, and this is just how the Penguins have operated their entire history except for whenever Ron Hextall was the general manager. I talked to Stag about this. You look at the history of the Penguins, they are used to getting in big names, bringing in huge Hall of Fame names and just elite talent. And that's how they build their team. They don't go out and you know bulk up on the back end or anything like that, or they don't have usually a star goalie. Fleury was great. He's probably going to be a Hall of Famer, but he was never you know a top three goalie any given season. Uh, during his time with the Penguins, at least. This is how they build teams. And this fits the mantra of the Pittsburgh Penguins brand so well. And this move taking place catapults my confidence in both Kyle Dubas and his administration and um, Fenway Sports Group. And I, I just I thought it was going to happen. I didn't realize the scale and the magnitude of what was going to happen. I had no idea that Jeff Petrie would be going back to Montreal to where we got him from. I think that's kind of, there's some irony there, but there's already rumors that he might not stay. He may be getting flipped again, but not, nonetheless, let's get into this deal. Um, and it's also the first move that Kyle Dubas has made since he was general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins. He was promoted or promoted himself, gave himself the title of full-time general manager. He was uh, previously the president of hockey operations. And then this past week, along with many moves we're going to get into in the um, later portion of the show, he made many moves and you know gave some promotions and whatnot to uh, members of the front office. We're going to get into that a little later. But the, the headline here, 
Eric Carlson's a Pittsburgh Penguin, and let's talk about the what. What was exchanged? The Pittsburgh Penguins acquire Eric Carlson at 13% retained. He's now a $10 million player, even. That's how much he'll be again up against the Penguins cap for the next four seasons. They also acquire from San Jose Dylan Hamaluk, who is a 2019 second round pick. He was 55th overall. He uh, was with with the WHL. He was in uh, the Seattle Thunderbirds for three seasons. Then he was traded to the Kelowna Rockets. His first professional season was with the San Jose Barracuda, and uh, that was 21-22. And then last season, he spent some time with the Wichita Thunder of the ECHL. He's a bigger boy. He's listed as six foot three, two hundred pounds, left winger, uh, younger than me. He was born October thirtieth, two thousand. Not sure what. Um, he's going to turn into, but he's a young forward nonetheless. No NHL games under his belt yet. Um, so that's what they get from San Jose. They also acquire from the Montreal Canadiens, Rem Pitlick. Rem Pitlick, who is in the final year of a contract that pays him $1.1 million annually, is a depth forward. He will play bottom six minutes. He may be a 13th, 14th uh, forward guy. He has uh, relatives in the NHL. Tyler Pitlick has been is his cousin. He's been around for a while. Rhett Pitlick, I've heard that name before. He's his brother. Um, was drafted by Nashville. He played parts of two seasons with Nashville. Uh, one was then was a Minnesota Wild for a short time, and then most recently, the past two seasons has been a Montreal Canadian. He uh, in 123 NHL games, he has 21 goals, 33 assists, and 54 points. So a little less than uh, half a point a game, about 0.4 points per game, which isn't too bad for him. He's young. He is 26. So for this team, young, but in reality, he's not that young. A third round uh, draft selection of the of the Predators in the 2016 draft. Um, all right player, but nothing too special. Like I said, he's going to be one of those guys that can filter in and out when they need to. I don't think he's bad enough to be a, uh, a an AHL player. I don't think he's going to be with Wilkes-Barre uh, too much. He definitely requires waivers, so I don't think they're going to want to send him down. He will be more likely than not on the NHL roster, but... Uh, yeah, he's lower end guy, not very much upside, but a player nonetheless. I've talked at length about Eric Carlson, so I don't want to waste too much time talking about Eric Carlson, the player, but I think it's granted, uh, you know, it's necessary to t- discuss this when discussing this trade because he is the centerpiece. He is the uh, all in all center of this trade, like, you know, bar none. So Eric Carlson, like I said, 100-point player last season. He will be making $10 million um, against the Penguins cap for this year, next year, the following year, and the following year. So he will have four full seasons under the Penguins roster, under their cap, whatever. Last season, he broke out. After years of slowly tapering off, having met, miss, missing a bunch of time for injuries, um, he finally played a full 82 game season last year, which he hadn't done since 1516. And he got 101 points, 25 goals, 76 assists for 101 points. The most since Brian Leach scored hundred points as a defender, um, record setting season. He is three time Norris winner. There's not much more you can say about Eric Carlson that hasn't been beaten to death, but he is 
unequivocally the greatest defenseman of this generation. People will talk about Duncan Keith, who may be a little bit before Eric Carlson's time, but there was some overlap there. Uh, Lidstrom was definitely before Carlson's time. I think he uh, played. I think Lidstrom played his final season in uh, Carlson's rookie year, so they may have been like a year overlap there. But regardless, look at the guys who have won the Norris's more. Uh, you know, in the 2010s, Victor Hedman. Uh, recently, Kale McCarr and Adam Fox have gotten onto the stage, but I'd say that they're kind of in a different generational uh, bracket than what Carlson is. If you look at everyone that was in the two, 2010s as the top-end defenders, Eric Carlson's the best. He finished second in Norris voting twice. He's been he's won the Norris three times, so he has five top two Vez, uh, not Vezna, Norris Trophy uh, seasons which is absurd. People will point out that his defense is not great. And uh, honestly, yes, you're right. He was a minus 26 in a season and he got 101 points last year. That's pretty crazy. He has other seasons and uh, back in 2010-11, he was a minus 30. In 17-18, his last year in Ottawa, he was a minus 25. Every year he was with the Sharks, he was a minus double digit, except for his first season, he was a plus six. Um, health is an issue. Health has been a problem for Eric Carlson, and it seemed like he was very much on his way out of the league and out of being an elite player until this past season. So there's a gamble here, but it's a gamble worth making because the Penguins are betting on the core. When Kyle Dubas took the stage at the Lexus Club to introduce him, you know, as Fenway was introducing him as the leader of the Penguins, the president of Hockey Ops, he said he was not going to bet against this core. And he didn't. He doubled down on it. Eric Carlson fits into the timeline for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He does. You look at him right now. He is 33 years old. So he's honestly a little younger than the core that they already have. But has had equally as many health issues as those other guys. Sidney Crosby, 35. He has two years left at 8.7. You tell me that uh, if there's any speculation that Crosby might want to hang it up when his contract's over... When his contract's over, he'll have the Penguins will have two more seasons of Eric Carlson. You're telling me he won't want to play through that? I I have a hard time seeing that. Evgeny Malkin, three years left. He's 37 right now. Three years left at his 6.1 million dollar contract. So when he his contract's expired, there'll be one more year left of the Eric Carlson deal. Christopher Letang, five years left at 6.1 million dollars. He's 36 now. That contract will take him to 41. He has one year additional um, on top of the end of Carlson's deal. So he'll be here a year longer than Eric Carlson. That's the Eric Carlson side of it. Uh, I think he fits in perfectly. I've written many an article about it, the podcast, uh, you know, the, the live shows I do for pro sports fans. I've, I've talked about this at length. Eric Carlson fits into this team. It can happen. It did happen. He takes up 12% of their salary cap. He is now the highest paid player on the Pittsburgh Penguins. For years, it was Evgeny Malkin. The last season, it was Crosby, which it should have been all along. And now uh, it is Eric Carlson. And I'd love to go back and see the last season that the Penguins' highest paid player was a defenseman. I genuinely don't know. I have no idea who 
or when that would be like who it would have been or when it was. I have no clue. Um, but very interesting tidbit nonetheless. And he will fit in. He will be the quarterback of the top power play unit. Uh, Latang might be there. I, th- I think you could fit two of them, both of them on that power play. And then you do uh, a Crosby, Malkin, Gensel kind of thing. Just four future Hall of Famers on one power play. I mean, cr- for God's sakes. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of a loss for words, even though the last 12 and a half minutes may, may, might make you think differently. I, I can't believe this is actually this actually was able to go through and happen. I'm very, very, very excited about the prospect of seeing him on the ice, uh, or not the prospect, the reality of seeing him in a Penguins uniform. I'm very excited for the season now. There was so much doom and gloom over this organization for the last year. And you know what? Say what you want about Kyle Dubas. I know there's a lot of Maple Leaf haters online who are you know, chomping at the bit to try to say something negative about the guy. Oh, he left, you know, whatever, you know. But he has breathed in a breath of fresh air to this organization. All the moves. With this one f- swoop, he got rid of almost all of the bad contracts on this team. The only one left, I was talking to a friend about this earlier, the only bad contract left on this roster is Jeff Carter. Every other contract I'm completely okay with. I was on the fence about the Ruto one. He got rid of that one too. Granlin, gone. Petrie, gone. DeSmith wasn't necessarily a bad contract, but he's gone. He's a mediocre backup and he was making almost $2 million. Yeah, he's gone. Then Ndokovic signing makes a lot more sense now. So, to repeat, the Penguins acquire Eric Carlson at 13% retained, Dylan Hamiluk, and Rem Pitlick. That's their end of the deal. Now let's take a look at the team that sent Eric Carlson away. What did they get? Well, it was a three-way deal, and they got Mike Hoffman from the Montreal Canadiens. He is making $4.5 million. He's a 33-year-old left winger. Noted former teammate of Eric Carlson. He was obviously on that Ottawa Senators team when they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. The two of them worked well on the ice together, but it sounds like there was some tumultuousness off the ice between those two, including some uh, comments made from uh, allegedly from Hoffman's uh, significant other about uh, Carlson and his wife, allegedly. But Hoffman on the ice has been a pretty solid player throughout his career. He really broke onto the seam in 14-15 with the Senators, and he went on to have one, two, three, four, five, six consecutive seasons of 20-plus goals. He had one 30-goal season in 18-19 with the Panthers. He had 36 goals that year, 70 points. Um, he's a good player. He has one year left, I believe. Yeah, this is the final year of a three-year deal that he signed with Montreal. So he is a perfect trade piece for the San Jose Sharks. And a little trivia tidbit, it's worth mentioning. Whenever he was dealt from Ottawa to Florida, Ottawa didn't want to deal him directly to Florida because they didn't want to deal within their own division. So he was actually dealt first to San Jose, and then San Jose flipped him to Florida where he you know, preceded his career. But he never actually suited up for the Sharks. He was purely just there on paper, but I am led to believe he will start the year with San Jose 
and will probably be a dead trade deadline asset where if they retain half, he becomes a $2.25 million player. That's an easy contract that they can deal. Easy, easy, easy. That's who they get from Montreal. And from Pittsburgh, they get Mikhail Grandland, Jan Ruda, a 2024 first round pick, which is top 10 protected. That is their end of what they acquire in the Eric Carlson deal. So they sent out Hamaluke Carlson, and they get back Hoffman, Granlund, Ruda, and a first. The first, if it if the Penguins do finish with a uh, top 10 pick this season, it is transferred as a 2025 pick the following year, unconditional. So basically the Penguins need to contend for the next two seasons, especially next season, this coming season, I should say. Because if it becomes top ten, a top ten pick, then the following year, there's no security making it not San Jose's pick, and it's actually what happened with San Jose when they acquired Eric Carlson. They sent a first round pick that got deferred, and it, to Ottawa, and it ended up becoming Tim Stutzla. So you don't want to do that. You really don't want to do it. You want to uh, make make your pick happen as soon as possible, and hopefully it's a later pick. Hopefully it's a 20s or 32 overall, so your team had success that year. Um, you really hope that happens. Uh, let's go into the guys who they got from Pittsburgh. Mikel Granlin, we've talked at length about him. He was acquired for a second round pick in uh, I think it was 2024. He, this is his second trade in just about four months, uh, five months, I guess. Uh, excuse, excuse me. 2023 second round pick, excuse me, is what the Penguins and Ron Hextall gave up for him on March 1st. Um, that pick ended up being Kalen Lind, who is a Nashville Predator now, I believe. And yeah, Mikel Granlund never worked in Pittsburgh. And I can't believe that... The, they thought it would work. It was awful. Like the, uh, there was no shot of it happening again. They for twenty one games of Mikhail Granlund, the Penguins paid a second round pick, and in those games they got a, one goal, four assists, five points. Pitiful. Just an, and I saw someone tweet this earlier. Basically, this trade that happened today should make you feel so much angrier about what Ron Hextall did to this team because. The reason we we are so excited about it is because it got rid of all almost all of his bad moves, and it's it's just really aggravating because there was a wasted year last year. But we're looking in the future. We're not let's you know, let's be zen about this. Uh, yeah, Granlin was not going to work for them uh, in Pittsburgh, but in San Jose, he has two years left at five million dollars. I assume he's going to play this year out in San Jose, and then next year. If he gets top six minutes, which he's in San Jose, I'm sure he will. Maybe he inflates his stats a little bit, and maybe he can be a trade deadline or a next offseason trade asset for San Jose. Jan Ruda was signed last year by last offseason by Ron Hextall and the Pittsburgh Penguins. He was one of the bigger free agent signings that they made because they didn't make a ton. He is a Czech defenseman who is 33 years old right now. He has this season and next season left on a $2.75 million contract. I wrote articles about the defensive changes that Hextall made last offseason, and Ruda was honestly the one I probably spoke most glowingly of. He was mediocre. 
He was mediocre at best. Did not do anything exceptional. He was he was mid. He was mid. And honestly, it there. If you look, because they, we're going to get to it in a second here, they also give up Petrie. The Penguins gave up two of their of their right-handed defensemen. You know, probably their second pairing and their third pairing right-handed defensemen. They obviously get Eric Carlson back, so you don't care too much. But you did give up two defensemen for one defenseman, if you look at it like that. But the moves the Penguins made earlier this offseason, I think, prepared them for this. They obviously still had Chad Ruedel, who can fit in on that bottom pair right defenseman for Ruda. I don't think that's much of a skill difference there. Maybe they want to give Ty Smith a chance in the top six. From my understanding, Smith can play both left and right defense. He's a left-handed defenseman, though. Maybe you can put him in the Ruda spot. Will Butcher was a de- was a depth defenseman that they added. Maybe he can get some time there. I'm pretty sure he's a lefty, though. We'll see about that. So there is that issue with it, but I don't see it being that big of an issue. I already talked about the pick. The Penguins need to be competitive the next two years, especially this year. Don't prolong it. Let them take the pick next year. Not too bad. Montreal. Not the team I expected to be the third team in this deal. I thought it was going to be Chicago or Seattle was also an option. I think they still have some space. But it ends up being the Montreal Canadiens. And they acquire Jeff Petrie back. He had one year in Pittsburgh and now he's back in Montreal for the time being. But the Penguins did have to retain 25% of Jeff Petrie's contract. So now on the Canadiens, he is a four... He's $4.687 million cap hit. He was making 625, and he's going to be making it each of the next two years. But against the cap for the Canadians, he's only making 4.687. So the Penguins are going to have to eat a million and a half of that. That combined with the million and a half San Jose is taking back for Eric Carlson essentially makes Carlson not retain very much at all. Um, although Petrie's deal is shorter than... Carlson Petrie just has this year and next I believe whereas Carlson had four years left yes that's correct uh so Jeff Petrie 25% goes back to Montreal although there's already rumors that he is being shopped by uh, Kent Hughes to either be dealt before the season starts because they can retain half of him and make him a 2.3 million dollar player that's easy to, to digest for most teams or they can wait until the deadline and move him then Montreal also gets Casey DeSmith longtime backup for the Pittsburgh Penguins I didn't think he was going to get moved. I Earlier in the offseason, once they made the Nadalkovic move and there was the first rumblings of the Carlson trade, there were rumors that Pittsburgh wanted Capo Kakinen and San Jose was really interested in Casey DeSmith. So originally, I thought that those two would be a part of the deal. It didn't end up happening or coming to fruition. But what is Montreal getting in Casey DeSmith? They're getting a backup. They're getting a backup. There's nothing more to Casey DeSmith. He will not be a starter in the NHL, although... Uh, last season, he played almost half of the games for the Penguins. You look back at his career, he started off strong with the uh, Penguins in his first season. He played 14 games, was a 921 in 1718. In 1819, he played 36 games, was a 916 save percentage. Still very good. 2021, he played 20 games, 912. It's all right. It's starting to get a little worse, though. 21 22, he played 26 games in the regular season, was a 914. Not too bad. And last year he was a thirty. He played thirty-eight games. Was a nine oh five. So it went down a little bit there. But he played a lot more games than he was used to. He's played one career playoff game, and that was game one of um, 
the Rangers series two years, uh, yeah, two years ago now, and then he got injured in overtime, but he played good in that one game. And Montreal probably doesn't expect to be great this season, so I think having Casey is not too bad at all. But they have three goalies now, who I think are NHL caliber, but not none of them are starters. Uh, at least good starters, in my opinion. They have Jake Allen for two more years at three point eight five million, so he's the presumptive starter. They have Casey DeSmith for one more year at one point eight, and then they also have Sam Montembeau who is 26. He has one year left at $1 million as well. I'm, I'm assuming Montembeau is going to be the third because DeSmith is the more experienced between the two. But that's what Montreal is getting. They are getting a backup. And it's funny because Casey DeSmith is from New Hampshire. I'm assuming he probably grew up a Bruins fan. Uh, I don't know that to be for certain though. But now he's playing for the Habs. So just a little interesting tidbit there. Who else did they get? Montreal also adds Nathan Legere, who was a longtime Penguins prospect. He is from Quebec. He's from Montreal. So there's a little something there that's cool that they're bringing a hometown boy in. Um, third round pick 2019, uh, 22 years old now. Once upon a time was a uh, one of the t- higher end prospects in the Penguins prospect pool. I expected... Um, I, I kind of expected him to become a bottom six forward by now, but it just never came to be. He spent a lot of time in Wilkes-Barre over the past two years, 57 games in 21-22, and then 22-23 played 68 games. Um, didn't turn out to be much, but he may be able to get some time in uh, in the lineup in Montreal. They are a, uh, you know, a lower-end team. I don't expect them to be very competitive this year quite yet. I think they're still in the building stage of... Uh, of what they're doing there. So would not be surprised to see if maybe they give him a shot, but we'll see. And they, Montreal also gets a 2025 second round pick from Pittsburgh. I don't love that, but I'm assuming that's just to get Petrie off the, off the table. Um, kind of needed to be done. You can't have Petrie and Carlson on the same roster. That would not have worked out money wise, fit wise, anything. It, it didn't make sense. So Petrie needed to be moved out. And I'm assuming that's what the second round pick was for. So, yeah, I'm going to take a quick short break. We're going to get more into more analysis here for, of this trade and more what it means, some other Penguins news and stuff. But for now, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races in Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 
21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10 plus leg require for 100% boost eligibility. Wagering and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Even if you're not going on vacation, summer's all about the vacation state of mind. Whether I want to listen to Swedish House Mafia on repeat or just need to retreat inside my own head for a bit, I love creating my own summer soundtrack by popping in my Raycon wireless earbuds. There's so much going on all summer. Sometimes you need some upbeat music to pump you up before you see people or stay calm with some guided meditation. Right now, I'm listening to Paradise Again, the live album by Swedish House Mafia, beautiful, beautiful music, and it sounds even better in Raycons. Let me tell you, Raycons are the best way to listen. You can use your earbud tap functions to toggle between three customizable sound profiles, noise isolation, and awareness mode. Raycons have a 32-hour battery life, including eight hours of playtime, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, for a really long time. They come with custom gel tips that make them more comfortable for in-ear fit. They start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. And Raycons come with a 30-day happiness guarantee, so you really can't lose. Create your own soundtrack with Raycon right now. The Hockey Podcast Network or Penscast listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash THPN. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to save 15% off on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. Welcome back. Just to simplify the trade or make it more difficult, depending on how you're looking at it, I want to go through what the teams got for and from each other team. So for instance, on the San Jose Pittsburgh side of things, Pittsburgh gets Eric Carlson and Dylan Hamiluk from San Jose. San Jose got from Pittsburgh, Mikel Granlund, Jan Ruda, and the 2024 first-round pick. Pittsburgh and Montreal. The Penguins get Rem Pitlick, but give up Jeff Petrie at 25% retained, Casey DeSmith, Nathan Legere, and a second-round pick. Now between Montreal and San Jose, even weirder. Montreal get uh, gets rid of sending Mike Hoffman to San Jose, and got nothing in return for there. So Mike Hoffman was kind of a conduit uh, going between the teams, uh, just kind of a sweetener, I guess, uh, for just a contract to get off the books for Montreal and makes him a uh, rental for San Jose. Overall, I think this trade is a masterclass for Kyle Dubas. A friend and I were texting. I woke up to a lot of texts about this trade um, because I slept in. To be completely honest, um, they the Penguins got rid of all their fat, all the excess bad contracts they had on this team are gone now. Other than Jeff Carter, which Jeff Carter has one year left, you can stomach that. I assume they're probably going to scratch Jeff Carter, unless some Mike Sullivan is still stubborn enough to try to make it work. I think Dubis is going to give him the go ahead to say, "Hey, this doesn't need to work." You can give up on this one. You can just make him the 14th, 13th forward. Fill him in when you need to. Let, let him get paid for whatever. But I want to look now specifically at the Penguins 
roster and what I assume is going to be their lines moving forward. Um, yeah, just because this is the Pens cast, for God's sakes. So right now on their roster, um, without Jake Gensel, just because of uh, he's in- injured, which we're going to get into here even a little bit later, uh, they have, if you include Gensel, they have 13 forwards, 72 goalies, and they are at uh, projected negative $79,000 in cap space. Worth mentioning, they gained th- over $3 million in cap room for making this move. They acquired a Norris-winning defenseman, got rid of a bunch of wasted contracts, and gained cap space. Just unreal maneuvering by Kyle Dubas uh, on that end. But I want to look at the lines, the potential lines that can happen here from uh, after following this trade. First line, I got Gensel, Crosby, Raquel. Second line, you can really do is Smith, Malkin, Rust. I'm taking Carter out of it. I'm going to say third line, you're looking at probably Drew O'Connor, Lars Eller, and maybe Alex Nylander, if you want to make it a more scoring line. And then fourth line, you can do uh, Achari, uh, Pitlick, Nieto, something like that. That's fine. My only issue is I'm a little concerned about the bottom six scoring, it, which is an issue last season they didn't really address. They did remake the bottom six with a lot of good defensively responsible players who can play penalty kill and whatnot, but there's no one really, really established in that bottom six who can score goals, who can get points, who has produced in the past. They just haven't done it. Neil Inner's done it at the AHL level, level excuse me. O'Connor has some experience doing it uh, in his younger years, but none of them have experience at the NHL level doing it. If one of O'Connor or Nylander can break out, I feel a lot more comfortable about that situation, but it doesn't seem like that's, you know, like it's heading in that direction. I don't know the, the ceiling on O'Connor or Nylander. Something I brought up to some people, you know, if they can maneuver a little more room here, Maybe bring in a Thomas Tatar on like a tryout or a league minimum deal. He's still a free agent. He has a ton of experience scoring, especially in the middle six role, like a third line left winger. I feel a lot more comfortable with him there scoring than I would like O'Connor or Nieto or someone like that. It's an interesting theory. But the biggest thing I like, I mean, the biggest, it's an unbelievable switch on the defense. I, just, I, I literally can't get over it. I'm smiling right now because of how big of a difference this defense looks today than it did last season. And the moves he made, I wrote an entire article about it. You can find it on Pro Sports Fans earlier in the offseason. Ron Hextall destroyed this team's offense last year. Got rid of Marino, got rid of Matheson, brought in Petrie and Ruda. And Smith was made an AHLer, just completely obliterated it. And you know that what Kyle Dubas saw that, and he's like, "I'm going to bring in the Norris Trophy winner." So, and he also brought in Ryan Graves. These are the pairings as I see it right now. This is how I suspect. I think it's going to be—I don't know which one's going to be your top pair, but I'm thinking it's going to be Graves, Latang, Pedersen, Carlson, and then POJ with either Ruedel or Ty Smith. One of them. Uh, and then I suspect the other, whoever is left out is going to be the seventh guy. And then guess what? If there's an injury down in uh, AHL, you have Will Butcher. You have Fadoon, who got a little bit of playing time last year. It's not ideal, but if you have to, you can. Xavier Ouellette, 30, 30, ugh, 30 years old, excuse me. I'm sure he could play if you really need him to. The depth up front on offense, too, after the guys I already mentioned. 
Um, down in the AHL, you got Poulin, who I think is going to push for a, uh, or a roster spot. It's about time that he does that. Maybe Hamiluk does. I don't think he does, but I think he still needs some more time down in the A, but maybe. You got Vinny Henestroza, who has NHL experience. You got Redeem Zahorna now, who has NHL experience. This team fixed everything except for the bottom six scoring that they needed to. I still am not sold on Tristan Jari, but Dubas made that bet. And I was talking to someone else actually earlier today about Tristan Jari and about how this trade now, I think, is Dubas even doubling, tripling down on Tristan Jari. Because the defense he's assembled now, specifically the top two right-handed defensemen he has in Latang and Carlson, have not always been historically the greatest on the defensive end. I think Latang played better defensively this year than he had in years past. Carlson, his defense is not good. Straight up, he's one of the worst defending defensemen in the NHL, period, end of story. So, they're going to rely on Tristan Jari to really, you know, stand on his head a little bit here. They got rid of his safety net, that was Casey DeSmith, who, like I said, was mediocre, wasn't always great. He had, like, stints where he was good, but... Now they're going in with a with an unknown behind him in, in Nadalkovich. Once upon a time was a Calder nom, uh, f- finalist. He was a nominee for the Calder Rookie of the Year like three years ago, three, four years ago. Traded to Detroit, was supposed to be the starter there, and got pummeled, got destroyed with the Red Wings. He got sent down to Grand Rapids for some time. It They're really betting on Tristan Jari being not only the guy, but one of the better goalies in the league. That's so it's a risk. It's definitely a risk on their um, on their end. But this team that they have assembled, it's good. It, it's so much better than what Ron Hextall had, especially the defensive core. I can't get over how much I love that defensive group. That's the best defensive group, especially top four. That's probably the best top four that we've seen in the. Crosby Malkin era period end of story maybe I'm overhyping Ryan Graves um, but from what I saw of Marcus Pedersen last year he is a legit defensive left-handed top four defenseman I really like Ryan Graves in the game he plays with how physical he can be and his how his big his big body excuse me and then Eric Carlson and Chris Letang's resume speak for themselves period end of story um that's that Eric Carlson's a penguin. I I mean, if I'm grading this, obviously haven't seen any of these players at the ice yet for their teams. Dubas hit it out of the park. Dubas hit this one out of the park. He shed all the bad contracts, besides Carter, that he needed to. Brings in a reigning Norris Trophy winning defenseman. The team needed extra scoring. Carlson's going to help with that. Carlson can make offense like few in the NHL can. So yeah, the bottom six forwards may not look like the best score, uh, scorers, but you know what? They're, they're going to share the ice with Eric Carlson for some times. And I'm sure Eric Carlson can help, you know, push the issue there. Create some space, create some opportunity. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm so, so much more optimistic about this team, this organization's path than I ever was. They did not give up many futures. A first round pick, yeah, okay, fine. 
Tanner Janot netted a first round pick last year. I'm okay with them giving uh, a first round pick for the Norris Trophy winner. Give up a second round pick in 25. That's okay. You had to get rid of Petrie to make this work. A first and a second. It's okay. If you look at the Kessel deal, they essentially give up two firsts. Obviously, long time ago at this point, but they gave up Kapanen, who was a former, recent former first round pick. They gave up, I believe, a second and a first. Scott Harrington was in that deal. He was a prospect for them at the time. I think you could argue they gave up more to get Kessel than they did to get Eric Carlson. And there was no huge salary dumps in the Kessel deal. The Penguins had three in this one. They got rid of Petrie. They got rid of Granlin. Unretained Granlin, by the way. San Jose took all $5 million of Granlin, which I don't know how you finessed Mike Greer into that one, Kyle, but good, good grief. And Yan Ruda, who, like I said, was not awful. He just was unremarkable. It's the best way I can put Yan Ruda's you know, game with the Penguins. I really wish I could have someone on to talk to about this trade because I'm just overflowing with ideas and feelings. I, I'm very excited about this next season. If you're a Penguin fan and you're worried about the future of this team, you don't need to be anymore because you have two, at least two years of Crosby, Malkin, Carlson Latang. That's the core four. Kyle Dubas has brought in his own core four. And this is his second time doing this, where it's his first offseason with a team and he goes out and acquires a double digit paid player. It's the second time he's done that. When he was first hired as the full time GM in Toronto, July 1st, he went out and signed John Tavares. This time, he went out and traded for Eric Carlson. The core four in Toronto are forwards. The core four in Pittsburgh that he's assembled, two forwards, two defensemen. One of the best defensemen of the era in, in NHL history, definitely of the era. One of the best players in Sidney Crosby in NHL history. Evgeny Malkin, who's one of the most underrated player of the generation. And Chris Letang, who, when it's all said and done, will be a three-time Stanley Cup champion, likely will never get a Norris, but I think has a good shot at a hot the Hall of Fame. Be happy, Penguins fans. We have at least two more years of contention. And anyone who is on Twitter and is saying, or X, I hate that, and is saying, you know, Penguins are going to look dumb when they miss the playoffs this year and they give up all that, don't listen to them. The Penguins missed by one point this past season, by a single point, and they had so many net negative players on the team. They got rid of most of them, and they added some truly remarkable players, one especially, one who did a feat that hadn't been done in 30 years. It's, it's, it's crazy. I'd like to actually go through, I'm going to take a break here, and I'm going to go through the roster the lineup from the final game of the year the regular season and versus what the opening night roster is going to look like just give me one second i'm going to go do that real quick all right i did it shout out to pittsburgh hockey now for having the lines up from that game that was uh, still available and this is what we're looking at first line still intact gensel crosby rust you could argue gensel not because he'll be injured but he's still on the team so i'm keeping him there Second line was Zucker, Malkin, Raquel. Zucker's gone. 
replace him with Riley Smith. That is the one move I think is the closest to a wash. Zucker was great. We, we loved Zucker, but got uh, Riley Smith for cheaper, similar player, more versatile. I don't mind that you know trade-off at all. The third line is going to be completely different. All three members of last uh, Game 82's third line are gone. Danton Heinen, Ryan Paling, Mikael Granlund. Heinen just is a free agent still. Ryan Paling signed with the Philadelphia Flyers. The Penguins could have tendered him as an RFA. They decided not to. Granlund obviously was dealt to San Jose in today's trade. Um, this is what I'm projecting. Uh, I say Drew O'Connor is likely the third line left winger. Maybe Matt Nieto instead, but either way, I have Drew O'Connor moving up from last year's fourth line to the third. Uh, centering that line, I think, is going to be Lars Eller. You're paying him the most out of all those guys that you brought in. I'm assuming he's the presumptive third line center. And I'm bumping up on Alex Nylander to the third line right wing. Two guys who have the potential to be scoring threats on the wings. Nylander, I think, more so than Drew O'Connor. And a responsible defensive forward in Lars Eller reminds me a lot of a prime Nick Benino, although Eller is a little older than Benino was when he was a Penguin, at least when he was good as a Penguin. So um, there's that. The fourth line last year, game 82, Drew O'Connor, Jeff Carter, Josh Archibald. Like I said, I had I've moved up O'Connor. I'm moving down Carter to the extra one of the extra forward spots. Um, and Archibald, I believe, signed with Tampa Bay. And the new fourth line that I've assembled with the pieces the Penguins have now is Matt Nieto, Rem Pitlick, and Noel Achari. Achari being my favorite of those three. I really love his game. Pitlick, I think, uh, is the better player between him and Carter. That's the competition, I think, is for fourth line center between those two. I don't see uh, Carter being more than a fourth line center i like obviously last year they tried for the most of the season to make him the third line guy but he just doesn't have it anymore i'd much rather have him in small doses whenever you really need to have somebody uh come in if there's an injury i'd be i'd be much rather i'd be much more comfortable with that situation than having him be a center because uh, he just doesn't have the speed anymore. I know he's good at faceoffs, but there's a lot more responsibility in that position. And just in, in the lineup every day, I think he's too old. I think uh, with how age has you know hurt him, I think it'd be better to have him in small doses. It might help preserve him a little better. And the extra forwards I have, like I said, is Carter. Uh, another one which they don't have the space for right now, but eventually they might is Henestrosa. If there's an injury, he's I assume him and or uh, Zohorna are the most logical guys to bump up. Another, like I said, a person I mentioned I'd like to see them sign, but I don't think they have the money to, would be Thomas Tatar. I'd much rather have him on that third line left wing than O'Connor. You could move O'Connor down to the fourth line and maybe make one of uh, one of those other signings, a depth guy like Nieto maybe, or Pitlick, make him the 14th, 13th, 14th forward. Uh, maybe put a Chari at center. He's done that before. I wouldn't mind a fourth line of um, of Nieto, Achari, O'Connor, but and uh, having you know Pitlick be one of the extra guy and Tatar on the third line left wing. But Penguins don't have the money to do it right now, so I'm not expecting them to do it. 
Now let's look at the defense, how that's changed. The top pairing on game 82 was Dumo Latang, Dumo gone, trade in Ryan Graves. That's an upgrade. You get a guy who's basically prime Dumoulin, um, but bigger. And Prime Dumoulin was very good. He was one of the best defensemen that this franchise has had. Um, I really do believe Ryan Graves has the potential to be as good as Dumoulin was at his best, um, maybe even better. Second pairing was Pedersen Petrie. Pedersen's still there. Petrie's gone. Uh, You trade in Petrie, you get Eric Carlson out of it. I'm okay with that. I'm really okay with that. And like I said, I don't know between those two pairings which is going to be the top. Um, probably Carlson. He gets paid more, but uh, it's a wash. It doesn't matter. I I trust both of those equally. They have equal. They have similar skill sets and dynamics. Where the left one is the more defensive, and the right one is obviously a offensive dynamite. So you could switch. You could split the ice time up however you want on there. I don't really mind. And they're going to be playing the brunt of the game because the bottom pair, I'm assuming, is POJ and uh, either Ty Smith or Chad Ruedel. I penciled in Ty Smith. Last year, it was Yan Ruda on game 82 who played with POJ Ruda. Once again, also out in the Eric Carlson trade. The starting goaltender for that game was Tristan Jari, and his, he was backed up by Casey DeSmith. Jari's still here. Casey DeSmith gone. Now Alex Nedeljkovic. Not sure if that's an upgrade or not, but at the very least, I say it's close to a wash. This team is better. This team is better. No doubt in my mind that this team is going to make the playoffs. This team has all the makings to make the playoffs. I think that they're probably going to make a move or two in season to maybe bolster up some scoring in that bottom six, move a little bit of money around or something. I don't know. Maybe you can move Pitlick. And a fourth, if, if Pitlick doesn't work out for a cheap scoring third line, fourth line option, something like that. I was talking to some people earlier today about this. I, like I said, uh, you know, whenever the Penguins were winning, the, all, everyone within their top nine was interchangeable for the most part. You could move anyone around, find combinations that worked in the top nine, all three forward, top three forward lines, and it would work. Right now, there's pretty much a solid line. A wall, I'd say, that separates the top six and the bottom six. You can move any top six guys around. I think it'd be okay. You can move any of the bottom six guys around within their spots. It's okay. But you can't move any bottom six guys into the top six. Not There's there's a solid skill difference between those guys. And I think that's part of the issue. You kind of need some guys that can kind of ride the line, fade the uh, fade the gap a little bit there. And uh, make it more easy to, you know, if someone's having a bad night, a bad week, a bad month, maybe you move, like you say, Brian Rust isn't doing well. You move him down to the third line and there should be someone you should be able to be able to bring up and have slotted into that Brian Rust spot. I'm just using Rust as an example. You know, it could be Riley Smith one day. It could be Raquel's having a bad week or whatever. You need guys like that to give your top six guys some nights off, give them time to refresh a little bit, not necessarily a punishment. Just more of, you know, a night or two to breathe, but still keep them on the ice. And they don't have that right now. And that kind of brings me to the next topic because I want to talk about Jake Gensel's out 12 weeks. Sorry, I was going to say six weeks. He's out 12 weeks with, I believe, an ankle injury. It was an ankle surgery. Let me make sure I get that correct. I don't want to be wrong there. Yes, ankle surgery. And uh, if you do the math, 12 weeks, that basically has him missing 
um, the end of October, the middle and end of October, probably into November. And that's the start of the season. There's some, I'd say like, you know, six, eight games he may miss. In that meantime, who's going to take that top line spot? Is there someone that they can logically put in there? I don't know. Maybe they give Nylander a chance. Uh, Maybe they give him a chance at it. I'm not sure. But that's big news nonetheless. I don't think it's as big of an issue as some people are making it. Some people are acting like, you know, it's going to lose them the first couple games. If they can't go six to eight games without Jake Gensel and finish at like 500 or close to it, then the team has deeper rooted issues than what I thought. That's my perspective on that. Um, also, I wanted to talk about the hirings that the Penguins made. Uh, everything kind of got railroaded by the Eric Carlson news, which rightfully so, it's the biggest trade that's happened to the Penguins in a long time. Probably the biggest trade in the NHL I've seen in a very, very, very long time. But um, I do, it, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the front office changes that happened later. Uh, well, I guess. Later in the offseason, earlier this week, I think it was three days ago, Kyle Dubas officially got the general manager tag. Uh, there's a lot of good memes that came out of that of him, you know, putting a medal on himself, which is something funny. Andy Saucier, I believe is his name. He is promoted to the director of professional personnel. Um, let me see more about that. Director of personnel. Yep. Um Saucier was, uh, he completed his first season in management as hockey operations analyst and pro personnel. He's in his 12th season with the Penguins, and he spent a dec- over a decade as the Penguins' video coach. Um, Eric Heasley was promoted to director of minor league and amateur scouting operations. Amanda Kessel, who was on an apprenticeship, I believe was what they called it, with last year's uh, administration. She got a new title. She is special assistant to president of hockey operations and GM. I believe that's the same title that they gave Jason Spezza, but I know it's the same uh, title that they gave Trevor Daly. Trevor Daly is the special assistant to president of hockey operations and GM. So I believe Spezza, Daly, and Amanda Kessel will all have served the same role in the front office, basically being an extra voice in decision-making to Kyle Dubas. There were rumors that Kyle was named the GM because essentially he was waiting on an answer from Brandon Pridham, but Pridham said no. Pridham obviously is the assistant general manager in Toronto. He was the cap guy, um, you know, the CBA genius, helped write the CBA, and Dubas wanted to, to poach him from Toronto and bring him back to Pittsburgh like he did with Spezza. Didn't end up happening so now we have uh, President and GM Kyle Dubas of the Penguins for the foreseeable future. Although I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple seasons, one of those special assistants, probably Spezza because he has the more experience, but maybe one of either Kessel, Spezza, or Daly gets promoted even higher eventually, maybe becoming the general manager of the team while Dubas retains the president of hockey ops tag. Or maybe... Pridham becomes available next offseason and he decides to go that route. You know, you never know um, with that. We're 55 minutes in. Eric Carlson's a Pittsburgh Penguin. Kyle Dubas is the official general manager and his first move as as full-time general manager was a doozy. 
the entire outlook of the Penguins organization changed today. You know, we look, it was looking like over, especially over last season, things were on the down, you know, they're going to get ready to start turning things over here. Eric Carlson changes that for the Penguins. Eric Carlson, the acquisition of Eric Carlson proves that this team is serious about contending over the next uh, three, two, three, four seasons, and they're going to go all in. And I'm so excited to see it because if you remember the years the Penguins were winning and they were going all in, it's so it was so exciting to, to follow along. Even the years they didn't win when they just got into the playoffs and you know, played a couple series, playoff hockey is so fun. It's so fun to be invested in a team that has a chance to win it all. We haven't seen it very much recently, but it's it's there, guys. It's the 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 chance of this team being good is it's it's all right. You know, it's it's a lot better now than it was when Ron Hextall was in charge. Uh, even at the beginning of the off season, the team looks completely different. There was so much roster turnover with this uh, group that you cannot compare last year's team to this year's team because all the players on the team this year that were last year performed well. That's why they were able to stay, other than Jeff Carter. (laughs) Got to make that caveat every time. The rest of the team was completely shed. This team was was an overweight guy who hit the gym. He shed all his weight, and then he just bulked up today. He just started taking creatine. And that creatine is Swedish and is the most handsome defenseman in the NHL. Eric Carlson and Crystal Tang in the same room. Crazy. Craziness. The Penguins definitely have the most handsome defensive group in the NHL now. Period. End of story. Ryan Graves is a little scary. I'm not going to lie. But Eric Carlson and Crystal Tang, you know, we got a good group of players and men in this uh, in the organization. So, that's all I have. I've been talking for 58 minutes straight, and I'm very, very excited for the start of the season. Let me know if you have anything you want to discuss. You can tweet me at PensCast, or Pens, sorry, at Pens underscore cast on the X app, um, which is so stupid. Um, you can t- uh, tweet me at my personal, at Lucas Wester. Find me on Instagram at those same handles at Lucas Wester or at Pens underscore cast. Eric Carlson's a Pittsburgh Penguin. Enjoy it. Savor it. Go out and buy the jersey, buy the t-shirt, do whatever you got to do. Because the Penguins are back. They're so back. Enjoy. I'm probably going to take off the next uh, week or two. I'm going to be away for a little bit. So uh, but please, I'll still be on social media. Let me know if you want to discuss anything. I'll be around. Till next time. See ya. Just kidding. As I mentioned when I recorded earlier, I was pretty tired when I was recording that. I was a little discombobulated. It was early. So there's a few things I missed that I've uh, either thought of or I've seen throughout the day in regards to the Carlson deal that I'd like to mention. So one of the things I completely forgot when I was going through the lines is that Andreas Janssen is a Pittsburgh Penguin. He was one of the guys that Dubis is familiar with, that he signed. It was later into free agency than uh, July 1st. But he signed to a one-year deal, $800,000 one-way deal. But he is one of those guys who could be a uh, bottom six scoring type of guy. He 
um, in 259 games has in the NHL has 116 points, 48 goals, 68 assists. When he was with Toronto, uh, he had a 20 goal season once upon a time. In 1819, he had a great season, uh, 20 goals, 23 assists, 43 points in 73 games. He hasn't had that kind of ice time uh, since he's left. He's bounced around. He was uh, in New Jersey for a few years, and last year spent 11 games in San Jose with Eric Carlson, ironically enough. So that's a guy who I think could be one of the guys that steps up and is a scoring option in the bottom six probably a fourth liner, but maybe uh, if you stack up all your guys or have some injuries, maybe you can move him up. Uh, if there's an, if there is an injury, maybe put him on a, I like got the power play two or something. It's, it's an option. It's not the best option, but it's definitely a option for an option, excuse me, for um, the scoring in the bottom six. If some things, you know, if they're not getting you know, popping off enough down uh, in the bottom six, a couple other things I've seen throughout the day. I've been following uh, everything Kyle, uh, not Kyle Dubas, everything Eric Carlson since obviously this happened. And there was an Instagram account I trust a lot uh, that had something very interesting. It was the um, this is the highest trade, largest player cap hit traded in NHL history. Um, that. Everyday dot dot pens, excuse me, on Instagram. Very uh, good page to follow for things Penguins related. They posted that the previous was PK Subban. Whenever his nine million dollars was dealt to, uh, was it New Jersey? I believe from Nashville. That was the highest uh, player cap hit ever traded. Now it is Eric Carlson, and for the Penguins, a personal franchise record. Biggest trade in franchise history. 12 assets moved hands in this deal, each team getting four separate pieces. But the biggest non-Eric Carlson moves in the deal were the things that the Penguins were able to get rid of. And throughout the day, people have had time to digest it. The consensus seems to be that the team is better. The team is a lot better. The, the trade was a good win. But it's an interesting trade because every all three teams' GMs seem to think that they won the deal. I'm seeing a lot of you know W Mike Greer, W Kent Hughes, W Dubas, you know, tweets, and everyone seems happy with what they did. So is it a chance? Is there a possibility that every team won? Maybe. It seems like everyone got what they wanted. The Habs got some assets. Didn't have to give up much. Got rid of Hoffman, who they're not going to use. They're probably going to flip Petrie. Sharks are rid of $10 million of Carlson's thing for uh, deal for four years. And they got a first, at least, and a second for... Or they, they just got the first. Montreal got the second. But they got a uh, first for Carlson, and they're rid of him for a while. And they got pieces that they're going to be able to flip later on in Ruta and Granlund. Maybe. Another thing I don't think I talked enough about earlier was the uh, Legere of it all, Nathan Legere. Uh, it just seemed like he wasn't ever going to become an NHL player, at least in Pittsburgh. And I think he's going to be one of those guys that can play for Montreal in the meantime while they're developing and getting ready to compete. But I don't think he's a long-term NHL player. He, it, From every all the accounts I read, I wasn't very uh, read in on him as a junior player or an AHL player, but he very much was not um, 
fast enough. His skating was not there, and he's just he wasn't going to make the NHL team ever. So that's it. Now I'm really going to leave it uh, and let it go. It's now over, well over an hour now. So that is all. Thank you for listening. Actually done this time. I'm going to call it, and uh, I'll see you guys next time.